Big Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies and waterways and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789 as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes. This is our first time saying it like live. Huge market retraction. Huge bull run. We're finding creative ways to make money. The second we find any women in this space, the girls were just never really a part of that conversation. Perhaps one of the most volatile periods. Until we sell, we haven't lost, we haven't gained. Yes, some stocks would have done better than others. What's the company? What's the purpose? The world has come to an end if that happens. Oh my God, I love how circumspect you are. They're not financially educated. I started just exploring. You need to integrate deep work into your life. Grab a bestie. Air quotations, crises. Empowering message without being patronizing. Welcome back to another episode of Big Swinging Stocks. This week, we're talking entrepreneurs and what it takes to actually build a business in today's day and age. And when you think of entrepreneurs, you might have images of Richard Branson or Steve Jobs spring to mind. But like everywhere else, the industries and the faces are changing. I'm joined by Gal Crone and M Kaplan. They're two Melbourne-based business owners running the business, lifestyle and finance-based social media company, Clever Women Co. Hello and welcome to the podcast, ladies. Hey, we're so excited to be here. Thanks, <gasps> Alex. So excited to have you. Long time TikTok follower. <laughs> First time call. I was, was going to say the same thing. We've been, I feel like we've been following you on Instagram since like the beginning since of day our one. kind of journey. Oh, we've been stalking each other online. I remember the point where when you followed us back because I commented on one of your posts and I was so excited. I was. Oh my God. I feel like the second we find any women in this space, we're just so excited that we have, you know, someone else to talk to about this stuff. Yeah. Friends, besties. And there's quite a community starting now. (gasps) I love that. Mm, There is a bit of a tribe. Speaking of which, there is now like quite a bit of a like female representation in the finance and just like online community. I feel like the the demographics are changing, but uh, with more women entering the, the finance space or talking about finances, which is a component of what you do with Clever Women Co. I'm so curious to know about how you first started. So Em, what was your first investing memory? The kind of memory that shaped your early childhood or finances or even just got you interested in money and investing? Yes. Well, I honestly didn't start investing until I was in my twenties. My parents have been longtime investors and they, but they never really had that conversation with my brothers or I. I also re- remember in my later years of school, the boys would always be talking about investing in stocks, but the girls were just never really a part of that conversation. Um, it's not that we weren't invited, but it was just kind of wasn't the norm around that time. Um, but I have always been quite savvy with money. Um, growing up, I, from the moment I could start working, I did. And I always worked about two or three jobs simultaneously. Mm. Um, and I do have a memory from when I was younger of putting my money into a high interest earning bank account. <gasps> Savvy girl. <laughs> so, well, I, I wanted to make my money work for me. I thought I'm working so hard and I'm working numerous jobs, multiple jobs. So why not? capitalize on those gains in in some capacity. 
Mm. But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't really until the major dip in the stock market as a reaction to the pandemic that I started looking into the stock market. I obviously had a lot of spare time on my hands, as a lot of us did. So um, yeah, I just started researching, and the more I researched, the more interested I became of this almost like gate kept secret to growing wealth. Mm. I vividly remember going on a lockdown walk with Gull. And we started discussing investing and decided to kind of start this journey together. So that really brought a lot of our That's conversations so special. together. And Gal, what was, is that your first investing memory as well? All things considered, yes, it was my first investing memory. But growing up, I wasn't at all surrounded or even exposed to the world of investing. No one around me ever spoke about it. I don't recall time when my parents or siblings really mentioned anything about it. If anything, what I do remember about investing is hearing about this, about it as like this massive risk that should never be taken. And I wasn't encouraged to learn about it. Business, finance, investing, all of that just wasn't in my environment growing up. So I kind of had to kind of search for that on my own, which is why, as Em said, it was lucky that we had each other because when we had that time on our hand and we started Looking into it, we were able to start encouraging each other to start looking into it. And we realized that we had similar views on growing wealth and kind of starting mm. early. And I think that a very main uh, reason that we even started is because we realized that none of our friends were interested. And again, like the boys always spoke about it in school. The girls were never part of it. And we wanted to take it into our own hands and start learning. And it was a bit scary at first. There's a lot of information out there, but yeah. we kind of took it one step at a time. And we started this just chat group where we just put in ideas. And from there, we kind of got a little bit more confident and all, all in all, we had each other, which was really great. Oh, ladies, I love that. It's basically, because I've never heard this advice before, but grab your best friend and start investing together. Grab a bestie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. It made it so much less daunting as well because yeah. obviously even at that time, it was two or three years ago, I feel like there was a lot less information out there online mm. and a lot of it was convoluted as it still is. And just to have someone to discuss that with oh, was... Yeah. Yeah. So, and it someone so blanket. close to you as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And given you have been investing for perhaps one of the most volatile periods, like 2020, huge market retraction as a like result of the pandemic. We had a huge bull run as a result of like the spending that governments were doing and people were at homes, so they had time and money to invest. So I'm really curious in that short period, what would you credit or it doesn't even have to be an investment. It can be investments in yourself or in your business. What would you say was your best investment decision? And what would you say is your worst? And I'll start with you, Gal. Well, I don't know if I can answer this yet because I'm typically in it for the long term. I kind oh, of good decided that and viewed myself as a long-term investor. So I don't freak out when I see it in the red or, you know, I, I never say I lost so much money in the market or I gained because or as we know, as until we sell, we haven't lost, we haven't gained maybe a bit in brokerage fees, but I don't look at it with that, oh, that has been my worst investment. Yes, some stocks would have done better than others. Me and Em actually got really lucky with our first stock. It was an ethical ETF and that did really well for us. And then that kind of gave us that confidence to keep pushing and do the right thing and invest in the right companies and do our due diligence. 
Um, but yeah, I don't check my brokerage account day in and day out. I know that over time it will all even out and some investments will do well. Some will be lessons. Something I loved, um, on one of your episodes, Alex, was I think you were, I, I can't remember who you're speaking to, but the example was, you know, if you invest in the ASX 200, for the ASX, to, like for the top Australian companies to crash, I don't think that your individual investment would be the biggest thing you're worried about. Oh, I think that that would just the mean the world has, yeah, the yeah. world has come to an end if that happens. So mm. I think that it kind of, you know, even ETFs gave us that extra bit of confidence. But yeah, in terms of best and worst, I don't know TBC. if I can answer that yet. Yeah. Ask me in 10, 20 years and I'll let you oh know. Oh my God. I love how circumspect <laughs> you are. Em, what about you? I'm a little bit different. I feel like I've got kind of certain answers for both. I, I'd say my best investment would be in my own financial literacy. Um, kind of the more I started researching into the stock market and then obviously the statistics of how many women are investing versus men. Um, obviously, the more I started learning and getting into how many women do get stuck in a relationship or in life in general because they're not financially educated and they don't know that they can still be okay once they have kind of fallen into a certain situation that might be unfavorable in life. So that's actually really why we started Clever Women Co. Um, because we, we really wanted to educate women that they can take control of their finances and, you know, there are options. Yeah. And there's education out there. You just have to find it. On TikTok at Clever Woman Club. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I'm just curious because you've come into this, you started a business that talks about finance, but other things as well, kind of like a holistic, I don't know, I almost think it's like the millennial experience is kind of what Clever Women Co. is all about, like empowering women to take control of their lives in like multiple different sectors because you talk about lifestyle and business as well, which I think are really integral to building wealth. Like we've got to have jobs that make us money. But I'm really curious for a reflection. We're all young women and we look at our mums and our grandmothers. Would you say it's easier building wealth in this generation goal? Well, I think every generation definitely has it both ways. I think that in some aspects, it was easier for our parents and grandparents maybe to get into real estate and buy investment properties or a house. Whereas for us, I feel like if we look at the statistics, a lot more of us would be renting, would be struggling with, you know, no, if we didn't have any help, it would be a big struggle. And by help, I mean, you know, a loan from a bank, the bank of mom and dad, all those things that would help you buy a house. I don't think that it's even a conversation, you know, in your early 20s, unless you are lucky and you have that help to be like, oh, I can go yeah. buy a house. But I think on the flip side of that, our parents and grandparents probably would have had to, it was probably a lot harder to access stocks, for example. So I assume they would have needed a broker and someone to kind of facilitate every transaction in that way. Um, in terms of the investment apps we have now, we have so much accessibility. We can invest in as little as a dollar or $5 and start, you know, when we finish school, when we're 18, which is something I wish I did. Um, but I do think that for us, the accessibility is there. I don't know if we're, if it's easier for us to build wealth in terms of, you know, real estate and those massive assets. And I also think another point that I kind of have been observing is how much kind of like that debt culture is coming with, you know, buy now, pay later apps and 
millennials and Gen Z are kind of encouraged to kind of build that debt. So, you know, you want to make a $400 purchase, but it feels like an $100 purchase each week. So, you know, you don't feel like you're spending that much and then interest is, you know, building up. So I think that our generation definitely has to be careful with debt. I think that, you know, we shouldn't be fooled by how accessible it is for us to invest. We, we, it kind of comes with the idea of, well, you need more education and more information out there to kind of know what steps to take. What about you, Em? Yeah, just on that, I guess, um, I think though our generation being, I guess, millennials, Gen Z, we're finding creative ways to make money. I mean, side hustles are most like second nature to so many people, obviously. Bro Girl Wealth, Clever Women Co. <laughs> um, and I think, I guess what's been stressed more in our generations is this idea of multi- having multiple income streams. Yeah. In, in, in different ways. So I think that. Yeah, there are, there are obviously, as kind of airing what Gull was saying, there's, it's more accessible for us to be able to invest in the, st- in the stock market and obviously um, access to entry is so much lower now. I mean, you can invest with such little money. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of young people can participate. But just back to the, the housing market, I, um, I, I read quite an alarming article a few months ago. I think it was by the Daily Oz that was talking about Comparing the number of years it'll take our generation to buy a house versus when our parents were growing up relative to our incomes. It was something insane, like three to four years for our parents versus 20 something or 30 Mm. something years for us. Yeah. I mean, again, each generation's face different challenges just about, I guess, having your own wealth building plan um, in a way that suits you and the life that you're, you're living relative to the time. Yeah. That's such a good takeaway. I think we, we talked and mentioned a little bit about Clever Women Co, but you two are entrepreneurs. You have actually built a business with Clever Women Co. And I want to know in your own words, what what is the, what's the company? What's the purpose? And more importantly, what do you want to go with it? Well, firstly, I'd just like to say thank you so much. Um, we're, we've both really been obsessed with entrepreneurship from an early age. I feel like Gull and I are both hustlers in, in our own right and it's kind of funny because I think our journeys almost individually almost led us to finding each other and starting a business. Um, so yeah, we, we actually, Gull was the year above me at school and I was really good friends with her sister. Um, but we both outside of school were working at Woolworths. Shout out to Woolies. (laughs) Shout out to Woolies. Check out chicks. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we, we met and then we just realized how, as Gal said earlier, how aligned we were in terms of our views on money and our views on business and our interest in business. So I guess that kind of, yeah, organically naturally progressed into us starting Clever Women Co. together. Um, and Clever Women Co. really started as a socials first platform. So we started when TikTok, um, well, as it still is now, has great organic reach opportunities and we very much use this to our advantage. Um, yeah, and it really evolved from there. Um, we're now, I guess, focused on providing great business, finance, and entrepreneurship-based content to women. Um, and we really serve as a destination to access information on things like the journey of many business women and news snippets about women in business. And something that was really important for us was to put the Melanie Perkins of the world and the girl next door who's got a small business on the same level and show them that we can all 
fill up this space and there is space for all of us. Yeah. Fabulous message. And I think I've followed your TikTok for a while. We talked about this. We're all, it's the one big love fest. (laughs) But uh, I think the TikTok content you have is incredible. It's also really unique. I don't think there is a lot of content uh, talking about, well, finance to start with, but I think there's even less talking about wealth more holistically, like career Mm -hmm. and business as well. And that was what really attracted me to your content. And I love talking about corporate Australia because I think it's a really interesting uh, part of, for a lot of us, most people have a nine to five. Most people are using it as a vehicle to build wealth. But I'm really curious, like TikTok uh, has had a really interesting journey as part of brand like size and startups. Gal, how hard did you find it to build an audience? Well, it's actually good that you asked me this because I come from content in general. I used to do... She's a pro. (laughs) I used to do beauty (laughs) content. My name was like Gully Glam Online. And I actually started on Instagram. So before even TikTok was ever a thing, I was kind of just posting photos and, you know, having a creative space to enjoy my love of makeup. Mm. And I wasn't specifically making money on Instagram. And then TikTok came along and that's when everything was, it was like 2020. So like that was, that's when TikTok really came onto the scene. Um, and then I started just exploring so many different content pieces, content styles, jumping on trends, doing tutorials. And I enjoyed it so much. And I think that coming from, you know, a private school typically was, Everything was about, are you going to be an accountant, a lawyer or a doctor? And I, I felt like I had this creative drive and I didn't, and I, I, I couldn't relate to people around me because I really wanted to do something creative. So jumping on TikTok was kind of my time to be like, oh, this is where I belong. Like, I love this. Mm. So that was before I even did. Gal belongs in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so this is before I even did it with M. Like, I couldn't believe how much more fun it could be with a co-creator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a steep learning curve with TikTok and content in general. Things are changing every day. Like the group chat that Em and I have is just ideas and ideas and new updates and the algorithm keeps changing mm. and our categories have changed a lot. You know, we initially kind of said, oh, we want to be all things for all women. And then we realized, wait, if we're everything to everyone, we're nothing to no one, we really have to focus and be really thorough and, you know, have like that deep work focus with the categories that we want to speak about because we can't, you know, give you everything you need to know about the stock market and investing and then also encourage you in your career and then also talk about every business. So I think once we really did that one thing well, you know, do one thing well philosophy. That's when everything started making a lot of sense, but that took a while and it was hard. And it was a lot of learning in, in between that and many, many nights of being on the phone until 1am and just trying to figure it out. But again, it's so nice to do it with your best friend because you're also just laughing so much and, you know, all of, I think it saved, it saved me in terms of creativity during lockdown. Like that's all we spoke about. So. And what about you, Em? What would you say was the hardest part of building an audience? Or what would you just say your experience has been like building a social first platform? I think TikTok is really interesting because you kind of retain audiences for different things that you're posting. So I think early on, 
Um, we did have a lot of people. We did kind of build an audience based on this, I guess, these ideas of growing, building wealth. Whereas now it's more, I think people are really interested in, I guess, the little snippets we're posting about business women or the small businesses in Australia founded by women that we're supporting and trying to, I guess, get some reach to. So yeah, it's been a really interesting journey and it, it still will be interesting to see kind of how TikTok evolves from here. Mm. And so ladies, or Gal, you can start. What is the end goal with Clever Women Co? Where do you want to go? Well, I think that in in terms of Clever Women Co as a whole, our mission is really to be the number one destination for women to join the conversation about business and finance and entrepreneurship. We need more women in leadership roles. We need more women who are financially independent, not stuck in relationships, as Emma said before, just because of their financial situation. We need more women getting encouraged to, you know, start businesses, apply for higher positions, invest, manage their money well, all of that. And I think investing in women and girls is hugely important. I think their economic participation and kind of ownership of productive assets in society really speeds up development and reduces inequality. And I really think that if more women were in leadership positions, the world would just be a better place. If we're not, mm. again, like clever is not about those over repeated statistics. We're not telling women that we're a minority. It doesn't come from like that angle of disadvantage, but rather. We take a positive angle, showing women the paths and stories of successful women that have come before them and how much they can do it too. It's a, it's a reminder that you can do it too. And our goal is for women to truly believe they're capable of not only joining, but contributing mm-hmm. to the conversation surrounding in, um, business and finance and everything in between, entrepreneurship, yeah. leadership positions, you know, all of that. And you both talked about I think you mentioned it before, Em. Oh, Carl, I think you said it was gatekept from you yeah. as a kid. Like investing was quite gatekept. And I think that's true of like leadership as well. If you don't come from a family where like navigating the corporate ladder is dinner table conversation, if you don't come from a family where investing is dinner table conversation, it's still scary. Like you said, Em, if you did grow up around that, it's still really overwhelming. But it's even more of overwhelming when it's like all behind this shrouded curtain. I think platforms like Clever Women Co. just make it accessible. Like if you can see the path, you can envisage yourself on the path. And that's really what it's about. I think it's a really beautiful, empowering message without being patronizing because women can do this. Like we, there's plenty of women doing it already. But I think part of it is creating a community around actually starting and actually feeling like you can and envisaging yourself so I'm obsessed big fan ladies thank you well you can't you can't be where you can't see oh oh it's not my quote I I watch I watch um, Beyonce's Coachella performance religiously and she has like quotes throughout it and one of them is you can't be where you can't see which isn't her quote I don't know who I can't remember who it is, but I loved it when I saw it for the first time and it really kind of permeates my thoughts a lot. Back to what you were saying as well, Alex, I think that was a really big thing for us as well, Um, like finding our tribe. And I think Clever served as as this beautiful vehicle from which we could meet other women. Yeah, and exactly as you were saying, like unless you have that exposure, you don't really know what you're missing. So um, we, yeah, we were really able to use Clever and connect with like-minded people and women and learn from other people and work with all all these incredible brands. And obviously every day is still 
a learning curve in and of itself. Like we're still growing and on the journey of working out who we are with Clever Women Co. Um, and it's really important for us to realize and for other women to realize that we don't and you don't need to have it all figured out yet. But yeah, every day is so exciting for us and brings new opportunities. Um, as Gal kind of said before, we call each other pretty much daily with like a, something new or excited, exciting that we have to share with each other, whether that be something in the news that we heard or something that we'd like to integrate into our our content. Um, but yeah, if we can make, I guess, people see us as successful women who aren't afraid to start something and can take up space in this, in this space, then we've really su- succeeded in what we're trying to achieve with Clever Women Co. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much and take up all the space. I think if there's not enough chairs at the table, we should just be adding more chairs, not trying to Seriously, Mm. women in suits. I I love to see it. (laughs) And one more thing I'll add, sorry, is Em and I, like Em got me a book called Start With Why in 2021. And I think that that also helps us really shape who we are as co-creators in this partnership. Mm. And we realize that I'm a lot of the why and Emma's a lot of the how. And that's why we work so well together. You know, you need someone with, you know, the bigger picture, the vision, and then someone who is saying, but how are we doing this? And really attention to detail. So that is kind of also something that we really love of not only are we creating content for women, we are the two women who are kind of trying to show that you can do it if you want to, you know, you don't don't be afraid to start something on your own. Like that's something that was a bit mm. scary for us to kind of be like, oh, should we tell our friends? Like we're st-? And then we're like, of course we're going to tell our friends. We're going to tell everyone and we're going to be proud of it, which was also something we had to learn to do. Baby showers and business launches, baby. Yes. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're celebrating it all. I love it. And we t- we've talked about the highs, but I imagine there would have been some lows. Like I think navigating a business is hard it's a social business. So you are, you live and die by numbers and algorithm. And that can be hard, but I, I'm curious for your reflections uh, on what was the steepest learning curve? What were some difficulties you navigated? I think for us, um, I realized from an early stage with Clever that really, if you don't have thick skin and constantly pivot, you just really won't survive in this industry. Mm-hmm. And Gull and I <laughs> often laugh about how many air quotations, crises we've already endured, realizing that in one way, one way or another, what we're doing isn't working. As Gal kind of said before, we, we yeah. did start off wanting to be all things for all women, but realized that wasn't possible. So we had to narrow down. Um, so yeah, then we discuss it and work out a plan in order to push forward. Um, but yeah, although it's Although challenging, I think it's been a really great learning curve for us. And I think we've learned something from every single one of those experiences. And yeah, it's really important to look back and give perspective on just how far we've come. But yeah, I guess it's this need for persistence and to constantly adapt until you find what works best. I think an example I I really love to give is Samsung. They started out, (laughs) they started out by exporting dried local fish and are now a tech global technology powerhouse, um, which is, I know it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so the, the company went through like heaps of diff- heaps of pivots along the way. They tested out things like different business ideas, like <laughs> insurance businesses, textile businesses until they eventually landed on electronics. But yeah. They showed that by continuing to adapt and changing your strategy, you'll find what works best. 
Yes. I love that example. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that, now that's going to be my favorite example. When it's like, I oh. failed. I'm like, be like, I know. <laughs> Could have been a fish seller. Yeah. Look, <laughs> dry okay. fish. I'll be honest here. I'll be honest here. It was local produce, but I love to pick out because a lot of no, the no, articles no. pick no, out fish. We're going to change this. Dried it's local be fish. Like fish. Yeah. And, uh, now you can be the largest provider of phones in the world. <laughs> Fail? You just haven't found your niche yet. From <laughs> fish. Samsung. From they made fish it. to phones. Yes, love it. Oh my God, great. You should like send them an email and just say like from fish to phones, writing an article. Yeah. Dude, that's um, a really good TikTok, um, TikTok headline. Fish to phones. TikTok. Yes. I want to say that on your channel. Social tonight. first. Oh love it. Oh, that's so funny. Um, one more thing I wanted to add with content is that it's also a lot harder than it looks and there's a lot of, you know, kind of filming by yourself awkwardness and editing and it's hours and hours and I think that's something that kind of doesn't translate on TikTok where you're seeing you know a 30 second video and it looks like it took 30 seconds to make and it could take hours you know sometimes Em and I you know research a topic for a week before we make a video about it so there is that element of realizing that content is so much work and it's obviously very rewarding but at the end of the day passion is what rides the way for us so all the hardships along the way our lessons everything is you know another stepping stone to something even better the next day um the i think creative global direct global creative director of fenty beauty said my main goal is just to be better than i was yesterday so that's something i really loved i love that As you go, you also continue to learn more of the pain points of your audience. And I think that's a really important consideration when working out what your audience actually needs from you and what gap you can fill in the market. And yeah, as you were kind of saying before, Alex, um, we, Gal and I always speak about the fact that it's almost like we don't have competitors in this space. Not that that would matter, but Mm. there aren't other kind of other women purely speaking about business. I guess, in the way that we are. Um, But yeah, it's it's important to kind of constantly look at, okay, what, uh, what information do people want and how can I provide that to them and how can I serve what, what their needs are. And test and learn, right? Like I think we're sometimes we're so afraid of failing that we don't even try. And I think the thing Mm -hmm. that I've found with content is you don't really know what your audience wants and you don't even really know. You can guess that a video will perform well and it will flop. And you can guess that a video that you're like, this is honestly like just a random thought I had on the Mm -hmm. train that I felt compelled to put on the internet. (laughs) And the internet's like, thank you, 400,000. You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? So I kind of love the unpredictability of that though. Like that's content. Like that is the crazy world of content. Like you make a video and spend a week on it and it gets a hundred views or you literally get your phone out and just record something because it's come into your head and bang, you've gone viral. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. It's an insane world of content. It is an insane world of content. But um, speaking of content, if, People are wanting to learn more, wanting to dive in, women in particular. What are you two ladies reading and recommending to friends? What's in the group chat? Well, I'll start. 
Um, I'm currently reading, oh, actually, I just finished Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is something I should have re- read <gasps> a long time ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, the bo- the gist of the book is what the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class don't. And that is very much how I grew up. As I said in the first question, that is the environment I grew up in. No one told me. I didn't have a rich dad, poor dad. You know, I just had the educated dad and the educated mom who were encouraging me to get that nine to five job and, you know, get my Mm -hmm. education and not actually build my wealth. And the main theme of the book is how to use money as a tool for wealth development and sort of rather than just a means to an end, just a paycheck. He talks about how, you know, to make money work for you instead of you just working for your money. So think about it as a job, make your money work hard for you. You employ your money for yourself um, and work to learn. You know, I'm it's a good book to read if you're feeling like maybe you're in the rat race or you could be doing more with your money. It's kind of getting that idea of stretching the dollar. So every every dollar you make, how can you stretch it to build wealth? And I really love that. And I would highly recommend that book. Very good message. What about you, Em? I'm currently in the middle of reading Deep Work by Cal Newport. <sighs> so it, yeah, I guess it really gets to the ideas behind why you need to integrate deep work into your life. Um, Obviously, we're currently living in an attention economy. Attention spans are getting shorter and shorter with our little dopamine devices that are our smartphones um, at our reach. Um, The book really emphasizes the importance of integrating deep work, deep and focus work into your life. Um, And a concept from the book that I really loved is the more you're in a flow state in any given week, the higher your life satisfaction will be. Um, and I mean, this makes a lot of sense, right? Because happiness does stem from personal development and growth, or at least I think it does for me. Um, and flow states very much facilitate this growth. And yeah, there was a example they gave in the book of a university professor uh, sitting in his office at the school and his email response would be like an out of office and then his coworkers would be like, okay, but he's sitting in his office, but he obviously just wanted to capitalize on this deep work because medial tasks like responding to emails is just going to immediately take you out of that deep and focused mindset. So he would, it was when he was writing like a, um, a scholarly article. So he would just deeply focus for a certain amount of time and then get back to his kind of bulk up and get back to his medial tasks. But yeah, for all the deep thinkers, you've, yeah, you've got to read this book. And I think the premise of the book is also applicable to like topics that people find really uncomfortable, like finance. Mm. I think you do need to set aside some time. Like TikTok can be a really good education tool, but I think for a lot of people, before you make that first step to actually invest or to start a business, you actually need to set aside some time to research and not constantly be like interrupted. So yeah, I, I loved that book and I practice it all the time, turn off notifications and just yes. do your shit. Yeah, me too. I mean, even at work now, um, I only check my emails twice a day and I don't look at my teams as I know. I don't look at my teams. Sorry for everyone, not on video. I am shook. (laughs) It's saving. Do you not have anxiety? How do you do that? People, okay, okay. My team knows and it's, you need to be working on a creative task in the morning. And they also know that I'm not going to like, I'm not going to automatically respond to a message on Teams. 
I also only periodically look at that because otherwise I, I genuinely won't get into a, a flow state and I, I won't feel satisfied with the work that I've done if I'm constantly being pinged by by team messages or if I'm looking at my emails too many times a day. I mean, the the law enforcement agencies can wait. <laughs> goals honestly but um ladies it's been such a wonderful time chatting with you if people want to get involved if they want to join the clever women co tribe where can they find you well i don't think we've mentioned it but we're actually on tiktok <laughs> oh really oh my god i follow you on tiktok so you can definitely find us on tiktok at clever women co we're also on instagram with the same name Plus, we have really exciting news. We're launching a podcast in early 2023, um, oh, which so will be all about. This is, our, this is our first time saying it like live and <gasps> yes, on this air. This is the and first, first you time. You heard it here, folks. The inaugural announcement of Clever Women Co.'s podcast on Big Swinging Stocks. God, well, we're like gonna... breaking news channel now. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs> I'll make a news post about it on our TikTok. Yay. <laughs> Well, it's going to be all about business and business women. And we hope that we can, as Em said a lot earlier in the chat, you know, we want to put the Melanie Perkins right next to the small business owner and give them a platform. And everyone has a space for that. And that's why we wanted to kind of go further and start a platform where we can invite those women on and hopefully be able to speak about those topics in a lot more depth than a 30 second TikTok video. Oh my God. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for thank it to you. launch. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us on Big Swinging Stocks. Thank you Thanks, so Alex. Much. Thanks so much. It's been so lovely to be here and to, to chat with you. Um, and we're also excited to see what content is to come for you as well with yes. Broke Girl Wealth. Thank you so much. And as always to our listeners, thanks for swinging by. See you next week. 